Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. It's very elementary to us now, but when a fumbled football goes out of bounds, it becomes dead as soon as it goes out of bounds. But this wasn't always the case. Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology joins us to tell us about when fumbles were live out of bounds. Tim has a story and a scoop coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we have another great evening with Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology discussing one of his great tidbits that he shares with us each and every evening on Twitter and on email. Uh, Tim, uh, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, thank you, Mr. Hayes. Look forward to chatting once again about uh, oblate spheroid stuff. Wow, we're getting into the, the geometry of the game a little bit. That's so, right. Well, you know, it's, I, did, I got an A in high school geometry. Did you really? Well, I yeah. believe you did because this this topic that you have tonight has a little bit of uh, the geometry of the ball involved with it, I, I'm sure. Uh, you know, you never know which way that ball is going to bounce. And uh, you, you have a very interesting um subject that a football from yesteryear that we probably wouldn't recognize today if we we saw this happen and uh, officials let it go we would be you know screaming and ripping our hair out from the stands and throwing things at our tv set so why don't you share with us the topic tonight and the story behind it yeah so the uh you know the 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 issue here is that you know when football began it uh you know they basically adopted a a rule from rugby that when the ball went into touch, what we now call out of bounds, um, the ball remained live. You know, so it, you know, for us now, we think, well, the ball's out of bounds, so it's dead. Well, no, that that wasn't the case. And so if you think about it, it's, it's comparable to the original rules for scoring a touchdown. When you got into the end zone, you had to put the ball, you know, the guy with the ball had to touch the ball down to the ground, which they touched it down, which is why we call it a touchdown. And so, you know, until he did that, the ball remained live. And so they had much the same rule in place for the ball, you know, crossing the boundary line and, you know, on the the sidelines, not just the, the end lines or the, the goal lines, that in order for the ball to be become dead, somebody on one of the two teams had to be out of bounds and touch the ball to the ground. So that's when the ball went dead. Um, So it's just one of those things where, you know, we just can't fathom that. Uh, But when you think about it, 
the consequences of that rule meant that if the ball went tumbling out of bounds, um, there could be obstacles, you know, out of <laughs> bounds. There, depending on the field, there could be trees. There could be players on your side or on the opposing side. There could be water buckets. There could be carts and cars and horses and buggies and uh, running well, tracks. A lot of the fans, you see some of those games where the fans are right on the, the sideline. Yeah. This could really yeah. cause some calamity there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there are a lot of fields, I mean, virtually every field early on, where the sidelines um, you know, and I've got a bunch of pictures of these. It's the sidelines are just ropes. You know, there's a rope. Yeah, and even the rule book talks about you know people ha- behind the ropes. You know, they're talking about fans behind the ropes, and you know because they were just roped off. Not you know, they weren't. They you know, anyways. Um, there's even a, a great story um, in 1892. Uh, the Uni- University of Chicago took a train across the country, went out to to play Stanford a couple times and they got a couple of other games in there, but they were playing, you know, Stanford uh, in in San Francisco and the ball went out of bounds uh, and bounced over a fence. And one of the Stanford players was start to go for it. And Chicago had a guy who was a hurdler on the track team and he hurdled the fence (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, ended up getting the ball before the, before the Stanford guy could, but, you know, if you just think about it, you know, and in in the in the uh, tidbit itself, I've got some images like you described of, you know, the fans on the perimeter. I've got a picture of the University of Maine. They had a twenty-five piece band, you know, sitting right along the <laughs> sideline. You know, so the ball could have gone, you know, running in there, and you know, the sousaphone or tuba player or piccolo player, or whatever, could have gotten in the way. Yeah, your your image of the the Iowa uh, State game uh, with the fans on it. I think there's fans like five deep all the way around the field. It looks like it's uh, <laughs> surprised that you, if you were standing on the outside, you wouldn't be able to see any of the players. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there weren't uh, you know if you went and got concessions, there weren't you know TV screens up there showing you, showing you what was <laughs> going on either. Um, so, anyways, all that continued until like 1926, and that's when they finally. Uh, they changed the rule, and at that point, they made it so that the last person to touch it, their team, uh, you know, got possession of it once it was out of bounds. And then later on, it was the last team to possess the ball while in bounds. So initially, it was touch, then it became possession you know, before it went out of bounds. So, anyways, just it's one of those. Old time rules that you just can't believe was in place, but you know, it made sense, you know, from based on the game's origins. Uh, but just I just can't imagine some, you know, some of the things that must have happened, you know, the guys fighting and everything to get to the ball amid crowds and fans and uh, teammates and whatever. Yeah, that it had to be. Now I just want to something for clarification that you said early on. Now you, the rugby term for being in touch, you're, that you're saying that's when the man's on the ground touching the ball. That's when the ball's in touch, or when it goes out of bounds, it's in touch. So out of out of bounds was in touch. So, and the sidelines were called the touch lines. Okay. So, uh, you know, that was just a for whatever reason. I mean, and so it gets a little bit confusing too, just, you know, 
Uh, but so the, um, I, I, I'm not sure exactly why they called it in touch, but they did. And then, but that was for the sideline. So that's the out of bounds side. And then, you know, once you cross the goal line, you still, you know, old time films and even in rugby today, you, you sometimes you see the guy, he'll kneel down and put, plant the ball to the ground. That's what was the case in football too. You had to, you for, had to for the, put for the touchdown. I was just trying, I was looking more from the, the sideline, what we call the sideline point of view, yeah. seeing in touch, yeah. seeing if there was a correlation and try to understand it better. So, okay. Hey, that's uh, great stuff as always, you know, that's a, definitely a fascinating thing. And it's uh we really look forward to us today. Like we said at the beginning for a ball to go out of bounds and, people you know 22 guys chasing it through the trees the crowds the bleachers yeah. everything else that's yeah. really quite and a remember, mess you know when this when this stuff was first when it was really early on happening the rest didn't have whistles yet <laughs> you know? so you know it was all just you know they were fighting in there and somehow they somehow they figured out who had the ball yeah oh officiating nightmare thank god uh, i didn't officiate back then so <laughs> that's fruit well tim uh, that that is some great stuff as always uh, and your tidbits are coming out each and every day tell us how to share those and uh why don't you tell us also about your your book you know that's still on sales you know the uh hut hut hike a little bit about that where people can get that too yeah so uh you know you can subs- the, the easiest thing is subscribe you know, go go to footballarchaeology.com, you know, free process to uh, subscribe and that that'll get you an email every night uh, with this with the story. And again, you don't have to read it that night. You can read it two weeks later, whatever you want. Um, but at least at least you have access to it. And if you want to read it, you've, you've, you've got it. Um, otherwise, follow me on Twitter. And then, um, you know, the book is is available. All three of my books are available on on. Uh, on Amazon. So, uh, hut, hut, hike, uh, you know, either search for that or search, uh, Timothy P Brown. Um, there's a couple of Timothy P Browns, but I'm the only one that writes books on football. So you should be able to find me. Um, and, uh, and it, you know, in particular, if you're, if you're somebody, uh, you know, if you've got an, uh, Kindle unlimited plan, you know, you can read it for free. So, um, you know, it's just like, just like streaming anything else you know nowadays you just it's available so of course i'm more than happy to sell you a paper copy which is yeah that's that's great to have too it's a great uh, reference uh especially you know hike and when football became football are great reference points i use all the time to to look up things and people have questions or i have questions it's a excellent uh, source so very well done and uh, very well done tonight. We thank you for your time and sharing your knowledge, Tim, and we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Hey, look forward to it. See you in a week. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. 
PigskinDispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of sports yesteryear. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.